0: We've been looking at Isaiah 54, along the lines of a theme that I feel that the Lord had uh, placed upon our hearts. And that has to do with fruitfulness, fruitfulness um, for the year. And I'd like to quickly uh, turn with you to that passage. We've been looking at three aspects that come out of the travail. Um, Sing, O barren one, verse one, who did not bear... Break forth into singing, and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married. So this is something that's supernatural that God's doing, yeah. Man, the children of those who have not been the the, the one who has been desolate will be more than the children of that which is is married. So what God's wanting to do is something supernatural, yeah. So. What we are not going to be talking about is some advice on how you can improve your life based upon what you have already or what you are able, what resources you have. We're talking about how we break through into a supernatural fruitfulness that is of God, that is that isn't dependent upon what you have. Mary was talking about uh, in 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 the prophecy was speaking about something that makes us feel. It's too old. It's too old for us. It's it's too too advanced for us. We don't have what it is, and what God is wanting to do is something that we don't have in the natural uh, in the natural realm. It has to be something that God is done doing, and I believe that God is bringing us into a place in which you make us supernaturally fruitful, supernaturally fruitful. Yeah, Um, and so yeah, we've been on that theme for the past uh, two two weeks actually. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. So, we looked at this. Do not hold back, yeah? Lengthen your cords... And now strengthen your stakes. We'll be talking about that for today. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. You will spread abroad to the right and the left, left and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. I believe that this is something that God want, God's wanting to do for every VCF. We will spring up on the right and we'll spread on the right and the left, and you will possess nations and the, the lands that God has placed you, the places where God has, has placed you. Because there are, these are places of lostness, and God is going to use each one of us if we are willing to cooperate with Him um, in these desolate places. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood will you will remember no more. For your Maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is His name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth, He is called. So He's talking about, Isaiah is speaking about something that has not actually happened in your history. Your history may have been completely opposite to what He's talking about. So that's not as, it's not as if we can talk about a track record. Yeah, It's not something that you can you can relate back to an experience that you had. Oh yeah, I had some of that before. I just want to increase that. No, it's something that you've never seen happen. In fact, what he's speaking about is to the desolate one who feels that they've been rejected by God. Yeah? And so he's speaking this that's completely from the other side, out of the blue, from God's side. It, that's, it cannot be generated by us. And the first thing that he says here is, enlarge the place of your tent, you know? And to enlarge a place of the tent, you do it by faith. And He's giving us ways in which we can prepare for what God is doing. And there's an internal preparation, an external preparation that God wants to do in us. And we spoke about this um, in the past two weeks. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. Do not hold back, yeah? We, we've spoken about that. Now, we're going to be speaking about that last one. The, the last phrase, it says, strengthen your stakes, the tent. So the idea was this get ready because your tent is going to be full of people yeah that god is going to bring people into your life yeah god is going to cause you to be fruitful but you have to act in faith you have to act before it happens because if you don't happen if you don't act before it happens you will not be ready for it and the the fruit will be destroyed so what he's saying is this enlarge first yeah enlarge lengthen your cords stretch out your tent yeah and strengthen your stakes the idea was this if that that if the tent stakes will not strengthen when the masses of people come in or when the fruit comes in you will not be able to handle it you'd have no no room for it yeah and so this is something i like to talk a little bit about because um, that's the three parts of the enlarging lengthen your cords stretch out the curtains of your habitation strengthen your stakes yeah strengthen your stakes i remember i had an experience a few, several years ago when we went to Yosemite and we were camping out there. And I realized that as we went to this campground, we had our, camp, our tent, okay? And then there were other people who had tents. But there was this group of people who had this really nice modern tent, you know, these, damn, these tents that you have in America, they're amazing, amazing. They look beautiful, they're beautiful. And, and, and the tent was a one piece in and of itself. It was just one piece in and of itself. Wow, it was great. Talked to the guys who owned the tent, and they were really friendly, and, and they showed us the inside of the tent. It was wonderful. And uh, we were staking our tents, right? We were knocking the, 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 the pegs in and all that, you know, and it was hard ground. It was really hard ground. So it was, it was really a job, right? And I, no, I was not really enjoying it that much. But we hammered it, hammered it. In, and it just didn't seem to go in, but we had to hammer it many, many times. Finally, it went in. Then I looked at these other guys with their snazzy tent. It was a really nice tent. Nicer than ours. And they were not pegging the tents. They were not putting the, the, the staking the tents on the ground. And their tent was just a system in and of itself. Wow, it was a system in of itself. I would say they were on the ground, but they were not in the ground. (laughs) Their tent was not in the ground, it was not staked into the ground, they were on the ground. What what say you? They were there, but they were not in it. Their tent was not staked into the ground. Our tent was like really after much hard work staked into the ground. Then that night, a terrible wind came. And they were not in their tent when the wind came. And their tent was completely blown off. Because it was of this special material, right? It's very light. Very strong, but very light. And it was gone. And the problem with them is that they were not staked into the ground. They, was, they were sitting on Top of the ground. And so I think that when God says, strengthen your stakes, He's saying that no matter how great the system is, no matter how, the, how nice the structure of your tent is, the point about it is that it must belong to the ground. It must be deep into the ground so that it penetrates into the ground so that the ground prevents it from moving. These guys who were camping with us, they never found their tent in the end. It was a bit, big disappointment. We had to help them, but there's a way in which their, state, their tent was not committed to the ground. And because of that, they began to realize that the ground was very, very important for the tent. The tent in and of itself, the system in and of itself, didn't amount to that much. It was not that meaningful whence it wasn't staked into the ground. God is doing something deeper for all of us. And sometimes we can think that if you have a really nice tent, and it all comes together, and it's beautiful, and it smells nice, and all that, that's good enough. When actually, where it's staked is more important than how it looks. And so, I'd like to talk a little bit about how foundations are important to, um, to fruitfulness, you know? We may want an attractive tent because we think the attractiveness will be fruitful, but it's the foundations where it's staked that gives it the meaning as well as the stability and the capacity for fruitfulness, Yeah? So I, I'd like to really look at, look at this. Some of us, with respect to God, we are on the ground of Christianity, but we're not in it. You are a fan of Christianity, but you're not actually a Christian because you have not been transformed by the ground of Christianity, the actuality of, the, of, 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 of Him. The Bible talks about the the, the, the the household of God, the pillar and the ground of faith there's a way in which the ground of the presence of God in corporate life actually it grounds us into the substance of god's life now many people are like the tent that they are, they are sort of on top of on top of the the area we call Christianity, but it hasn't penetrated yet, and for a while you can actually Understand the tenets of Christianity and know what, what it's about. You can be uh, appreciative of it and you can even try to follow it because you're in the, the ground. In fact, some of Christianity can actually even rub off on it. But Christianity is not that. Christianity has to do with the fact that in Christ, when He incarnated, He pierced into our sinful flesh. He, was, he, he brought our sinful flesh upon himself. Do you know that when Christ came upon the earth, he did not take a pristine body. He took a sinful body. He, took, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. Can you imagine that? Christ was not one of those people who like came in and he, he had a body that was like perfect. So he just lived this perfect life because he had a perfect body. No. What the Bible tells us is that He took upon Himself our sorrows, our darkness, our sin, so that He, every moment of the day, even when He was sleeping, faced the pressure of that body of sin upon Himself. Christianity is not our subscription to a a set of beliefs, not even our admiration to it, not even our subscription by giving tithes or offerings and all that. It has to do with the fact that Christ has penetrated us and brought us to death made an end of our, for our, our life, and when He was, was here on earth, he in, he, because He is God, took, died an infinite death and was incarnated as an infinite incarnation where He took upon Himself my sorrows, your sorrows, your sin and my sin, and it penetrated into Him and He interpenetrated us with His life. Isn't that amazing? The Christian life cannot be lived. It cannot. It's an impossibility. Forget about it. We cannot be Christians, actually, in our of ourselves. We can't do it as subscribers to Christianity. You can't even do it if you believe in in, in Christianity because you will find that even even in the midst of your loving and believing of all these things, you can't even practice it. Christianity has nothing to do with us subscribing to a set of beliefs and trying to follow Jesus. And I understand that much of Christianity is like you follow the man from Nazareth, you know, that kind of 1970s kind of idea, like follow this Jesus who's like radical, real radical kind of thing. No, you can't do it. You're not radical enough because you, you and I need to be healed at the radic, radics, the root. Until, until that happens, we will just be subscribers we will not have been penetrated by the life of God. But the good news about Christianity is not that you, don't have, that you have to be a subscriber to Christianity. The good news of it is that He took your sin, He took your evil, evil and, and darkness, the, that evil body right now, and put it upon Himself and carried it for 33 years. In an infinite death upon us. So much so that He exchanges your life. When you become a Christian, your own life died. Okay? No matter how much you admire Christians and Christianity and the Pope and everybody else, you cannot become a Christian unless Christ takes your, assumes your sinful body upon Himself. That's why um, Gregory of Nazianzus said, What has not been assumed, that means my sin that has not been assumed, is not healed. If Christ did not carry that, that upon Himself, I am still in my sins. Amen? But if that's the case, I stake my life into Him and I have no choice but to be in Him. I don't have a life of my own. Now, Christianity has to do with the fact that we gave up our life to Him. Christ gave Himself to us to such an extent that we can't float like a tent on the ground anymore on the area we call Christianity. Maybe I should share something of my own experience. When When I was on my final year in, in college, I had been involved with the k- tremendous things, charismatic movement, uh, come to KL, I, and I've shared with you about m- marvelous things that were happening. And I would l- go for these meetings, I would see these men and women of God used by God tremendously, tremendous supernatural signs. I experienced it myself. My father was healed of diabetes. You know? And uh, my uncle's wife, he was, his, he was a... Prominent cardiologist cardiologist in, in, in Malaysia, um, his wife had a very serious uh, w- uh, cancer of the womb. And he knew he could not do anything, but God healed her completely. So there was amazing things that were happening. But one thing I, I re- began to realize was that I wondered why those people could do the stuff. How could those people be used by God? And be so changed by God, and what about me? Is it only for some people, or is it just for? you know just the chosen the chosen few and- when while I was coming in to the end of my my undergraduate studies, I got in touch with this church, a really small church that was just just being planted, and uh f- six of them. Were s- undergraduate students in uh, in my my college, and I looked at them and I saw there was something about them that was amazing. God was using them in very very powerful, very godly and supernatural ways, in a way that I thought only people from the West, uh, preachers from the West or Australia or New Zealand, could be used. I've seen these people use amazingly. But I was seeing these younger-than-me students, yeah, younger than I, they were being used by God in a tremendous way. I thought, wow, this is amazing. So they invited me to their church. So I went with, my, with all those guys who, who, who had been converted together with me, and we all went, and uh, there were more of us, oh no, actually as many of us as there were in the church. Twelve in the church, twelve of us went. Over the next few months, as I continued going to this church, very poor, very, very poor, hardly any resources, I was amazed by how powerful the presence of God was and how the gifts of the Spirit operated so accurately. It's so accurately It just made me scared. I was attracted to it, and yet I was scared of it because of the fact that, my gosh, this God is real. He's not real, as, as real as I want Him to be. He is as real as He wants to be with me. That's a big difference, you know what I mean? A lot of us, we want God to be real to us so that we could get what we can get out of Him. But when God is allowed to be as real as He wants to be, He wants to make us perfect. He wants to change us. He wants to to, to perfect us. He wants to do a, a greater work in us. And then I realized that God was there. I never joined that church. Well, I didn't join. I didn't join, not never. Joined. I eventually joined the church. But I didn't join the church. But I was a fan of the church. I brought people to that church. I conversed with people in the church. I loved listening to the preaching in the church. I loved the way in which they functioned, the way they. I loved to have conversations. I had lots of long conversations with them, and I tried to imbibe as much as I could with them but I knew that I was missing something in that church that these much younger ones were getting. Not only that, the people that I brought to the church that I, I were actually people that I had brought to the Lord. So they were very young Christians and they joined the church. I say, carry on, join the church. I have my own church. They, they started growing in those things and started doing the things that, People in that church were able to do. They could hear from God. They could prophesy. They had words of knowledge. They, they would pray for people. They would, there was such faith in them. They were not shaken by circumstances, by doubts, and by, by shaky things. They were just amazing. And so I became more of a fan of them, and then I began to think, what about me? What about me? And so I realized at that point that I had to make a decision with respect to what God was calling me to in that church. He was calling me to join that church. Now, there were things about that church that I really liked. And there's things of the church that if you ask me, now you have to join that, I would say, well, I'm not sure. (laughs) Have you been in places where you admire the place, but once you need to be committed to that place, you're not so sure about it. And I, ex- and I was, fe- <laughs> I was face- facing that. <laughs> the Lord was saying, put the stakes down. And I was saying, I like floating. I-, I like being in this place. You know, I like my tent to be just on the ground there. I like to hang out with these guys. I like the kind of fellowship. I like that godliness. I like the Christ-likeness. A, I feel happy when I'm with them. You know, I feel lifted up with, with them. But they're not that friendly. They're not that friendly. They are deep, but they're not that friendly. They don't have like the social graces that I I've been brought up with my with my family and my my people. They are not my people. Many of them were people who had experienced trauma, they had experienced you know, the need for tremendous inner healing, so they were rough, you know? They were rough. But when they prophesied, oh man, my, my knees started shaking because it was so accurate. So they had touched a dimension of God in there, and the Lord was speaking, what do you want, Michael? What do you want? Where I was, I felt comfortable it's like that tent, right? Inside it, it had its own system and it was just nice. But it wasn't really staked to the ground. It was to some extent. It was on the ground, but I didn't see anybody besides the overseas speakers, uh, those big-name preachers, who really lived a life in which they were deeply, deep, deeply in relationship with God. And so I found that there was this part of me that was like, I'm a fan. I'm a subscriber. I listen to all the tapes. You know what a tapes. If you don't know what a tape is. <laughs> I was a tapeworm. I loved their tapes. I, let, let, I left everything about them. And I advertised for them and all that. But when it came to joining, I was not sure about that. Ste- putting my stake in it meant like giving up a lot of things. Giving up a lot of things. And then the Lord brought me to a place where I had to make that decision. Eventually, after a long time kind of going back and forth, I realized there was too much of an aversion that I had for being committed to any church, actually, that, and then I could, that could allow me to move forward. I knew there was something that I was holding back, right? I was holding back part of my own autonomy. My, I like the freedom to be able to enjoy God on my own terms. I like the products of God. I like the products of godly people. But the Lord is saying, you can be one of them. You can be one of them. <laughs> Tough. I talk, discuss it with my parents. My parents are not happy about it. My decision, my, my, you, know, you should just keep staying with us. But then my mom was godly enough to be able to say, but you have to follow God. And so, after much struggle, I I joined them. And so, when I joined them, I realized that I had put my stakes in there. I put my stakes in there. And then one of the things that came about was that I wanted to be mentored, right? I wanted to be mentored. And I realized that I was... How do you say this? I was not in a position to say, I want your top mentor to talk, to mentor me. I said, look, if anyone has the time, it doesn't matter who it is, I will really enjoy just being guided disciple by anyone. So the gay, they they they, they, s- they gave me somebody who was gonna mentor me. She was 10 years younger than me. When you're 25 when, when you're when you're 23, okay when you're 23, 10 years younger is actually very, very young. Okay? And she just taught me one thing, how to get a word from God. How to get a word from God, how to get a, a scripture from God. To open up the, the, myself before the Lord, and He would, he would just impress upon me some, uh, a word. And I found from that 13-year-old girl, I may be exaggerating, it may be about 14 years old, I think, because <laughs> when she was still in high school, <laughs> I learned that. And I realized that it doesn't matter how old or how young that was. Whoever God gives to me, I'm just going to take it from the Lord. You know what I mean? I didn't question, well, she's too young, right? right? She's not even gone to college, right? She's not finished high school. And then they gave me another mentor. And this mentor was older, but could not speak English at all. Uh, she could speak, but broken English, broken English. And I kept on misunderstanding what she was saying. I just kept on misunderstanding and she would not know how to speak in a kind way, you know, in a smooth way. It all was rough. And after every talk that I would have with her, I would have to go to the bathroom and pray so that I can get over the hurt. It was... And I realized that She was not only bad at communicating, she actually thought that I was actually not worth investing in. She just thought I was too smooth, too, you know, English lit orientated, too intellectual, too all that. And she had told the pastor, Michael is just I can't handle him. so i didn't know what to do i went and talked to the pastor and the pastor said you know what you have to know what you want if you know what you want and you know that what you want if it's supernatural cannot be communicated just by words just by the right words you have to have you have to open something else in your heart in such a way that you are able to receive from her what she has. In the end, what you want is what she has. Correct? I didn't care whether, I, in, in that sense, it changed my mind because it's, I didn't care how she treated me. As long as she was able to, I'm able to get what she, what she has. And so what it took was an, a sympathetic outreach into her uh, to open myself to, to her. That's strengthening mistakes. stakes. I had to put a stake into what I was looking for and what what I was desiring for. I wanted a relationship with God that was deep. I wanted a a relationship with God that would take me into, into His secrets. I wanted to be close to Him. I wanted to be one with Him. And somehow God had used an instrument that would force me not to not be able to understand in my mind all these things, but to have to ha- open my heart to be able to catch what she was trying to say to me. How's that? <laughs> what I call a, a, a kind of a, a, sympathetic, a symp- sy- sympathetic outreach of the heart. Because what she had for me could not really be explained in English. I realized that for so long my tent had been above the ground that being able to understand things from a very good teacher that could articulate all these things made me feel that I was in the, in the region, but I, had not, I was not in it. I was on it, but I wasn't in it. And so what God wants to do is Not just to cause us to have intelligence or articulation or understanding of spiritual things. He wants us to be in it and to be for them to be incarnated into us and he's brought into us, become part of our life. Amen. So I want to put it to you that actually you can be a tent that's on the in the area and never be fruitful. But fruit comes from when something has interpenetrated. You and God have interpenetrated. He has penetrated your heart. And you have penetrated into his, 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 his domain, into his, 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 his heart as well. And out of it comes a travail because fruit comes out of it. The supernatural fruit of God can come only through that. And it's a humbling thing to be able to do that. But God has it for you. God has precious jewels for you. Amen? Amen. And so i want i I, I want to talk especially to those of you who feel I've been a Christian for a long time, but somehow i I understand so much I, I've got so many you know teachings and read so many books and all that, but somehow I'm not that fruitful I've not been able to make the the the, the love of and the and the power of Christ known to people, and in my land i'm you know I don't want it to carry on like this. I want something to happen. I want to be generative. Yeah, I want to be generative of, of the things of God. And I and I sometimes feel that um, we can sometimes allow ourselves to um, explain away unfruitfulness, not knowing that actually God doesn't demand that we be fruitful. He says, I'm going to give it to you as a gift. But you are to lengthen your cords, stretch out your curtain, and strengthen your stakes in me. So there's something about this process. Um, Psalm 87 talks about what God has for us. It's a very interesting uh, passage of of, of, uh, Scripture. Psalm 87. I'm going to read most of it. On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The, lo- the Lord loves the gates of Zion. Zion is the spiritual name for the people of God. The spiritual people of God. The people of God who are not just not just uh, physical, but who have a spiritual entity. The, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 talks about Zion, the perfection of, uh, sorry, sorry, Zion is the, the place where the innumerable com- com- company of angels and saints whose spirits have been made perfect. That's God, all that God's love and power is made manifest, His glory is made manifest in this place among the saints. The Lord loves the gates of Zion, the the people who have been dedicated to Him, more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. He loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon, Philistia, Tyre, Cush, this one was born there, they say. And of Zion it shall be said, this one and that one was born in her. For the Most High Himself will establish her. The Lord records as He registers the people, this one was born there, born in Zion. What He's saying is this, all over the world, the people of Zion will go all over the world, to Ethiopia, to Cush, to um, Philistia, to Babylon, all that, and they will be distinctively known. Oh, they are born in Zion. I know they are from. They have a trademark. They have a trademark. They have certain characteristics. They have the presence of God in them. They're like little temples. They're like little tents of tabernacles where the glory of God is there. Where they go, whether it's Babylon, Ethiopia. They are known because they not they had that particular characteristic. They hear from God. Miracles happen where they go. They are of a certain character. Amen. When they speak, God seems to be speaking to them. You know, people used to joke this church that I joined because there were these six six of them. And all over campus, people would say, here comes the grapevine. Because they would say, what is the Lord saying to me? <laughs> and when they would come, people would ask them, what does the Lord have? Does he have a word for me? Does he have word? They were like prophets coming. They were years my junior, but there was something of an awe in him. And, and, and what Psalm 87 is, this, is saying is this, those born in Zion, born in God, born from heaven born from a a staked place, right? They have certain characteristics. They know God. And whenever they go, whether it's London, Buenos Aires, you know, Kampala, wherever it is, people know. Oh, I know. I know that. I know that. I know that kind of people. I've seen them before. How would you like to be of that number? Yeah? How would you like to be like that? You're not when people look at, look at you, wherever you go, wherever God, God, God sends you, people will say, oh, I see you doing that. Oh. Oh. Some of them will say, oh. And some will say, oh. I remember when uh, um, I was uh, back in KL after I had come back from the East Coast, I took somebody to the hospital who was very, very sick and uh, and we went to see the doctor in the university hospital, and the doctor was you know checking him up and and looking very, very hopeless because of his situation, he had a very serious sickness and then out of the blue, you know, he said, "But you know, have you ever tried faith healing?" Then he started telling the story about how. This woman with with, uh, asthma had died for 24 minutes in Kuantan on the East Coast. And someone had prayed for him and she came, came back to life. Not knowing that I was the one who was with her at that time. So I said, oh yeah, yeah, I know about this. And you know what he told me? He says, I had a feeling that you were of that type. He was a Christian. It happened to be, Christian, and he's kind of let out, right? Let out that he was a Christian. He kind of, it just sort of slipped out. Just couldn't help it. You know, Psalm for eighty-seven is talking about a distinction between the tents of Jacob and the gates of Zion. The gates of Zion are the places that were dedicated to God. The tents of Jacob are places where people just in, just dwell. You know, they are in they are in the territory of God, but they are not dedicated to God. And as a result of it, there's nothing really that special about them, you know? And so Psalm 87 is about that. And then at the end of, the, of, it, of it, verse seven says, "Singers and dancers alike say, "All my springs are in you." Huh? And then I imagine you get a little, little little clue into what these people are, these people who are born in Zion, that have become so famous. Yeah? It's so distinctive. they are singers. Say all my springs are in you. I was just reading about jo- Joseph, who, you know, through all his trials, imprisonment, slavery, and all that, he becomes the prime minister, prime minister in Egypt. And by the way, there's more archaeological evidence that points to the existence of a Joseph. Uh, uh, in that, it's quite amazing. They call he was called in Egypt the father of Pharaoh. He's the father of Pharaoh. And if you if you if you look at uh, the 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 Genesis account is something that's very similar to that. Anyway, at the end of Jacob, Joseph's father's life, Jacob begins to prophesy over every one of his sons, and he comes to Joseph, and he says to Joseph, "Joseph is like a a fruitful bar b o u g h, fruitful vine, some some." Planted by the spring. His branches climbed over the wall and beyond. That's what he said about Joseph. You're planted by the spring. You're in relationship with God. You're planted there. You know? You're rooted there. You're staked there. And from there, your branches go over the wall and out out beyond. That's what God, I believe, has. There are many things that cause people to join a church. But one of the things that are most important, if you don't catch this, you miss the whole point about church, it is the fact that God has called us to be one with Him and to function in such a way that we can represent Him. He can speak through us. He can do things through us. He can show His power and His might through us. He has called us in church, not for church's sake, not for the appearance of the tent, but for the way that the tent is staked. So it's, there, there are many reasons why a person would want to join a church. But if God calls you to, be part, to, to, to join VCF, I want to let you know that there is something that perhaps you may not have realized, and that is that we want to be a people who are staked to the ground of God. Whatever problems or faults this church has, and it has many, the thing about us is that we are committed to being staked into God. No matter how difficult that, that could be or how easy it could be. Right? And so, there are certain things that God wants to give to us that cannot be gotten by listening to preaching, I'm afraid or to teaching. You just can't get it just by listening or watching somebody talk a lot of words. It has to be done by practice and by repetition. These things have to do with spiritual discernment, spiritual listening and hearing from God. It has to do with being able to move by the Holy Spirit and see His power flowing through us. These things cannot be gotten by listening to teaching only. Teaching can help us to have some guidance. But really, the whole thing comes from practice. Yeah? Practice. Just as stakes take a lot of hammering, repetitive hammering, so too do spiritual things happen. It's a hammering until we die to ourselves. Okay? We did the retrofit. And I remember once Cindy showing me some of this, the, the 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 foundations that were being put in, and it was this long line, a trench, and it was fourteen feet deep. My gosh! Just thinking of it, it made my my knees shake. Fourteen feet deep, kind of uh, trough, and and that and and these retrofit things were. Were, were, were staked to the ground now the actual foundations are deeper than 14 feet they are deeper they, are, they come down to the bedrock right? the bedrock when you hit the bedrock that's where it resists you whenever you want to do foundations there are things that will resist you you are being resisted by the, the ground itself but you don't give up, you keep on going just like in prayer, we want to be able to pray, to pray in such a way that we can follow the Holy Spirit and, and be able to hear His voice and be able to grow in strength, and grow in faith as it's happening. Those who have been joining us for daily prayer, you have grown tremendously over the past two and a half years or two years. You've grown. It's like not only do you pray nice things, but you actually pray with conviction and things happen. You are seeing God put authority in you and where does that authority come? Is it because you heard a lot of, of, of teaching? No, that doesn't bring authority. It just bring you deafness, that's all. What you have done by, 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 by joining in prayer is just practice the overall practice of praying in the Spirit, just praying just repeating and again and again and again, doing it and doing it again, and you don't know what is happening. Suddenly you find, oh, I believe. I'm not afraid of the devil. I am conviction. Oh, when I pray, my mind gets clearer and things become more singular. singularized. Oh, that things are happening. How did that happen? Not through, not through a lot of preaching by any one of us, but by the fact of practice, right? Hearing from God is the same thing with devotions as well. This is every day, every morning, every morning. I've been doing it for, wow, I don't know how many years, 40, 40-odd years, 40 years. And as that happens, it becomes more and more specific, more and more my senses begin to be a little bit more um, um, attuned. In, if you look at Hebrews chapter 5, the writer to Hebrews is talking to the church and speaking to the church and saying to the church, many of you should be teachers by now. You should be teachers, but you are still in need of milk. Yeah, And you you find Paul speaking in the same way to the Corinthians and 1 Corinthians. But I'm going to turn, refer you to Re- Hebrews chapter 5, just to, just to look at what the purpose of um, spiritual growth is and what it would do for us. Okay? Verse 11. About this we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Oops. Verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Now, basic principles are not intellectual principles, theological principles. It talks about... The, the, what, what it means by the, the, the basic principles is, is a word that really means the, the, the primary element from which everything flows. You need to have the primary element, fr- the element of life from which flows all the other stuff, all the good stuff. He's not talking about principles as in abstract thoughts or words. He's not talking about concepts. He's talking about the, the life thing itself, the primary element itself from which everything flows. Yeah, you need, to, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God and he's not talking about the principles of Scripture. He's talking about the oracles of God. Oracles are spoken words, voiced words, words that come from the, the heart of God, the mind of God, in, in real time. Okay? So you, what he's saying is that those who are mature know how to discern the oracles of God and who have, may I use that word, stake themselves into these elemental things, these virtues, there's these, these, these substances of God, these live things. Okay? For everyone who lives... Sorry, um, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. What he's saying is this. What you need is not more teaching, not more profound stuff, not more, not more high theology. What you need is milk. Because the milk that the baby feeds from the mother... Is something that's easily easily broken down. It gets you to the actual thing, right? So what you need is that which will actually connect you to the actual life of God, not a lot of um, uh, heady stuff. Yeah, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature. How? Who are these mature? For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice, trained by constant practice, I want to put it to you: Is there something that you need to be constant about, consistent about? I don't mean like how I was with my with at my former church. I went when I liked to, when I had free time, when my schedule permitted it. But I was more, I had to come to a point where I belonged to it. So you fix your schedule and say, I want to commit myself to those things that are going to build up my spiritual life in community in such a way that I'm going to be there. Now, there will be certain exceptions, of course, you know. But there's, by and large, I'm going to be there because that is going to be the thing that I will put as my first priority. When that happens, you, de- you, you go into it long enough and many, as many times enough to develop something. You're very quiet. Whatever it is, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I would suggest daily prayer and, and um, we are going to start... Um, um, another pillars things but your devotions especially there's a practice of core things sometimes we make regular we do regular we do we are regular on things that are not core we are regular about working out true me i, I am we are regular about we are religious about it you know we are assiduously following the uh, workout regimen but when it comes to our spiritual life, we're just weaklings. Because it hasn't developed, right? There are precious things that can only develop by many times. You cannot get to know your spouse by having a talk with them, by making an appointment once a, once a week. Okay, I'll talk to you. We'll have a date one week. Other than that, I've got other things to do. No, you cannot get to know your spouse. your your spouse, you cannot get to know that person in such a way that you, in your knowing, begin to be transformed. See, a knowing is an interpenetration that that involves not only you knowing that person, but you being changed in the way in which you approach that person. Your whole understanding of that person will will change when you get into any kind of intimate relationship with God. You will feel corrected a lot of times. You will feel chastened many times. You will feel disciplined many times. You will feel like there's something in me that's completely wrong. You cannot come into it with the integrity of your own, like, I'm, this is me. And I'm not going to, to, to fall in line with any, uh, I'm going to make a stand for myself. If you want to be, be in relationship with God, you cannot make a stand for yourself. You have to allow the Lord to transform you so much so that that which is cannot be communicated with words but can only happen when when, when, and, and can only be seen when you start praying for someone and things happen. So the person that was speaking to me, who was trying to mentor me, was a person who had very little, very few English words. Kept on using the same old hackneyed words, you know. You listen to them, you want to go to sleep. You want to fall asleep. She sang in the spirit, and she sang in the spirit. It was so boring. The tune was just A B A B A B A B A B A A A A B B B B B. B. It was all... And I would listen to it and I thought, what the heck? Then she would pray for people and then she would prophesy and things would happen. I had seen her praying for somebody who was dying on the, on the bed with, with cancer and taking his last breath and she just commanded him, get up. He got up. And he's still alive today. You know, I mean, there is something more than her, 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 her lack of... Of interest in, in, in when she was speaking. I wanted that. I was willing to take a lot of crap for that. I was willing for, for the, for, to get that precious thing, even though she just couldn't speak properly to me. To me. Over years, I began to understand her better. Because I understand her better. And she was still three years younger than me. I, I, met, I felt like a moron a spiritual moron. I felt like a spiritually, spiritually, actually I shouldn't use that word. I felt like I was so underdeveloped. So underdeveloped. And I wondered, what have I been investing my life upon all this while? And so, what happens is this. I want to invite you to think about some core things that are precious, that are more important than working out. Okay, I'm thinking about about working out as a very important thing. Okay, I'm not denying working out. I'm going to work out today. Working out being really important, can you think of three things that are more important than that really important thing called working out? That you feel you want to be ready to be conversant and very fluent, and be able to be fruitful in these things. Hearing from God, I would suggest your devotions. Do it every morning, every day, whatever. Pray, pray, pray together with others, because when you pray in a corporate setting, you may receive certain discerning things, or certain, certain revelations, and you don't know whether it's from God or not. But if someone else praise it out. Maybe it's from God. It Maybe He's bearing witness. It's confirming. That's the way I grew. Okay? Another thing is, come to church. Come to church. Make, make it, make it a, a priority. More than working out. How's that? Working out is very important, okay? I'm not saying that working out is not important. Working out is very, very important. But this is even more important. Alright? And so, I want to put it to you that if God calls you to VCF as a church, there are about three or four things that I would like for you to just bear in mind. If God calls you to plant your stakes here in VCF, one of the things that God has called us to really practice is listening to God in scriptures in our devotional life. S- secondly, be able to know how to move with the Holy Spirit, whether in worship, gifts of the Spirit, or just learning how He moves. That can happen. That can happen. The third thing has to do with the fact that God wants us to be people, wherever He distributes us into the land, whether they're non-Christians or people who don't know Him, that God can use us supernaturally to bring them into healing into, so that they can experience God's power, His love, in their lives three things, they're all based upon one thing and that has to do with the fact that Christ has come and exchanged His life with, the, with your, your life and has taken your on your sin your darkness so that you can have His life. It's all based upon that. If that is not true the first three things are just not possible. Amen? Let us pray. Sometimes we end up, because of the urgency of things, our bodies, our, how we look to people, putting priority on things that are not really going to make any transform- transformative difference in our lives. But I do feel that the Lord has for us to be spiritually fruitful. I would encourage you, if God has called you to be part of this church, to pay attention to these things because these are things that will be precious and they will be very valuable. The Lord is preparing us as a tent for windy days ahead. There are very windy days ahead, stormy days ahead. But God who knows the future is preparing us so that when the windy days come, we will be so well staked in Him that we will be a place of refuge for many people whose tents have blown away. And I would love to see God just making us all fruitful. Bringing people to Him, seeing the fruits of healing and deliverance and miracles happen, seeing people being built up, seeing God take something from the ash heap and raising them up. Right now, we are strongly convicted that God can con- convict and ch- convert and change the most hopeless and most messed up, the most um, broken of us this way.
1: Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now into our tents, in Jesus' name, to come fill up our tents and to teach us, Lord, these ways and more, how to stake ourselves into the bedrock of what you have done in Jesus' What you have done, Lord God, from before time began. We thank you for these big things, Lord, that the world never teaches or spends time talking to us about. But we thank you you're here right now to teach us. So, Lord, we ask that this year, would you make us grow? Would you make us mature in you? Would you let our tent become a place, God, where people can receive from heaven what you want to bring to earth, even yes, through Lord. us. We, we so desire to do this with you. We so desire to be intimate with you in a way that the world, the world can rejoice in you, God, too. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So we pray this for VCF. We pray this for every person here. We want that. We want that new thing you're doing in Jesus' name.
0: Yes, Lord. What happens now could make a difference for the rest of for all of our lives. And I want to invite you, if you feel that the Lord's been speaking to you and you're saying, I want to give up my autonomy, go wherever I want, to, to do whatever I want with my time, and say, I want to be staked in the most important areas in my life. Just open your hand and invite the Holy Spirit, because you know, we can't make a decision and keep it. We don't have the strength to. We don't, we're not even we are not, uh, not stable enough to fulfill our commitments to God, but we can open our hands and we say, Lord, I receive your power, your strength, your overriding grace to put your hand over my hand as I do the cut. That even, even doing the works of you when it's always going to be beyond me, I'll feel your hand doing it. That I can be associated with you, the works that you do. Lord, I bring before you the place where I work, the place where I live, the people that I know, the people who are lost, I know that they are still lost after one year. Can I be used by you, Lord? Will you go there and use me? Come, Lord. I commit myself to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.